This episode of Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by NightChannels.com, the only place on the internet to get that darker side for your t-shirts and hoodies. These are amazing, unique t-shirts and hoodie designs for occult, music, literature, and films. Of course, they got loads of amazing horror t-shirts. There's this Texas Chainsaw one that you gotta have. They got Alien, but they also got these deep cuts like Begotten. You know Begotten, right? Because you're a hardcore horror fan like I am. Or Guinea Pig. It's like that across the entire site for their music, for the anime, for other kind of media categories. Such cool designs that you're not going to find anywhere else. Go on there. There's no way you're not going to get a t-shirt or hoodie. I guarantee you. Tons of color options. The t-shirts have two fabric options. Classic 90s style, which is Gildan, or that great modern combed cotton Bella option. And the best part about all this, these are one-of-a-kind designs, and all of it has really great competitive prices. In fact, if you go there right now and you enter the code RewindAt checkout, you get 13% off. That's right, 13% off at checkout if you let them know that Rewind of the Living Dead sent you. Uh, so when you're at the next convention or concert and someone asks, where'd you get that shirt? The only answer is at nightchannels.com. And be sure to visit them on Instagram at nightchannels as well. Um, that's N-I-G-H-T channels.com. Uh, and be sure at checkout to enter the code rewind to get your 13% off. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. During production of his hit slasher film, X, director Ty West began developing a backstory for the character of Pearl, as played by actor Mia Goth. Working together, the director and the star began crafting what would be ultimately become a script for an entire prequel movie that would center around a murderous woman that haunted the farm where X took place. Unlike that film, which took inspiration from movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, West felt like he wanted to go in a completely different direction for the prequel, while taking inspiration from films such as The Wizard of Oz, and he later called this project a demented Disney movie. Set in 1918, a young girl dreams of becoming a star while desperately seeking to escape the family farm where she grew up, and she'll do anything or kill anyone to get there. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to sharpen our pitchforks and pick up the pig off the front porch as we review the 2022 horror film, Pearl. Damon Martin and I'm Patrick Guerra and Damon that sounds like new theme music it does sound like new theme music want to thank uh, Andrew Scott Bell courtesy of Andrew Scott Bell we have some new theme music here on Rewind of the Living Dead uh, decided to up our production and uh, and go with an original here so uh, yeah new theme music and uh, if, if people are out there going who's Andrew Scott Bell um, if you saw the trailer for Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey that is the composer Andrew Scott Bell is the composer for the new crazy Winnie the Pooh horror movie that's coming out. And Andrew's a very generous guy, and he hooked us up with a really cool track. And we're very excited to have our own original theme music crazy, starting now. Crazy is a good way to describe that movie. Uh, <laughs> that's insane. I love when people do that. Like, I know just recently, um, what was it? It's called, like, The People's Joker just premiered at venice oh yeah yeah, yeah and basically that it's it's just a parody of like dc characters and warner bros was like what the fuck are you doing 
Yeah, I went to uh, I went and got my haircut recently. My barber knows I do a horror podcast, and I sat down and we were like two minutes into it. And he's like, "Have you heard of this Winnie the Pooh horror movie?" And I'm like, "Yes, I have." <laughs> I was but like, "See, that's the kind that's the kind uh, of juice we got." Yeah, that's. I was like, "Oh, there you go." I was like, "Yes, actually, I actually know someone involved with the film." So uh, yeah. <laughs> Kind of worked out well. Uh, Patrick, of course, this week we're going to be talking about Pearl, the prequel to X, a film we reviewed earlier this year. Um, if you wanted to go back and listen to that episode, we pretty much raved about that film. It was oh, a yeah. very, very well done. Probably one of the best films of the year so far in terms of horror. Um, I think pretty much critically acclaimed across the board. I think, you know, regular reviewers loved it. Horror reviewers loved it. It was a great film. And right after that film came out, we heard that there was going to be a prequel. Uh, now we also know there's going to be a sequel called Maxine, which uh, follows the character played by Mia Goth. She plays all these characters. Uh, Mia Goth played, she was the one survivor in X, and now she's going on to her sequel film called Maxine, which we don't know when it's coming out, but it's going to come out relatively soon. They've already teased it. But this is a prequel called Pearl based on the character from X, also played by Mia Goth. And... Uh, Patrick, I'm always intrigued when we get like a horror trilogy uh, and, and like set up as a horror. Because again, this film originally wasn't set up this way. The idea came when they were filming X because he was trying to give backstory to the character of Pearl and they started putting things together, him and Mia Goth. And uh, they kind of came up with this idea and they said, you know what? Let's make a movie out of it. And so they literally shot it back to back with X. They finished filming X and went right into production on Pearl. Um, and. This is an interesting film um, in a lot of ways. It, it it feels, and I get it, like in the way that he talked about at the when I you know, teased in the intro, he said he wanted to make it more like Wizard of Oz, full of Technicolor, and like a demented Disney film. That's a fairly accurate representation of what this film is because it doesn't feel anywhere close to X. No, no, this is a completely different film. Now, Ty West is a genreist. That's really what he is. I, I would liken him, and I think I did back when we were talking about X, to Quentin Tarantino. I think he's very similar, actually, where he's rather obsessed with the genre, the template that the movie's going to be, and and will recreate it to with punishing detail. And when, when he decided, hey, I'm going to make like a Texas Chainsaw-style slasher in X, well, he made a slasher as good as you can make one and people loved it, you know, because Ty has some sort of like weird, like OCD about genre. He's like, it's gotta be exactly that way. Like it can't, like nothing can be out of place. It has to be that. And so when he was, I, I think quarantining, cause he had to go to New Zealand to shoot X, uh, he was quarantining for like two weeks and it, it sprung this idea in his head while he's thinking about, Pearl, the, the character from X that, uh, oh, you know, like when, when, you know, these other, I'm assuming somewhere in his head, he went, well, we're quarantining. What did they, when was the last time people had to do something like this? Oh, the Spanish flu back in 1918. That's interesting. There's like a weird parallel there. What if, what if Pearl, you know, that, that lines up with our timeline. What if Pearl uh, had something to do with that? And then it, I think it just sort of springboarded from there. And obviously he and Mia Goth are, are working very closely together. She gets hyped about it. She wants to, she wants to create this whole world around Pearl and, uh, and, and he picks the genre, right? This kind of sort of sweeping 19, I would say like 1930s style movie, like a, a very reminiscent of the wizard of Oz or other movies of that time, uh, gone with the wind kind of came to mind, but it's Ty West. So he's going to be exacting in nature. And I think for people who thought they were signing up, 
for another slasher, you get something entirely different. This is ultimately, I would say this film is ultimately a character study. This is not your typical horror film. And this is not, again, if you go in thinking you're going to get something similar to X, you're probably going to be disappointed because it's not that. Now, that's not to say this film doesn't have its qualities. It does. But it it's a much different film than X. You know, it's a much different film than X. And, and you know, I'm always... I'm always like, there's, there's two sides of me when, when we get a great film like X, which I, again, I absolutely adore. It was a great film. Um, when you, you know, when you spiral out from there, either, you know, when you talk about sequels, which is the staple of the horror, you know, genre, or in this case, a prequel, how you do it, you know, there's a, and I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way necessarily to do it, but you can also hinder your, hinder your audience a little bit by by going in that direction depending on how you go in that direction it's one thing in the classic slasher genre we talk about freddy krueger michael myers or leatherface or or jason you know and you're just you know bringing back a, a supposedly dead killer from the dead and he continues killing um that's kind of a formula of the 80s slasher films um x was not that you know what i mean x was not that kind of film it was a slasher but it wasn't like a supernatural slasher in that regard um so again, I have no problem with making sequels. And in this case, they made a prequel, but it just felt like such a different experience. Again, I didn't, I, I wouldn't go as far as say I didn't enjoy it, but about like 30 minutes in, I was kind of like, I, I, okay, so let me just say this right up front, Patrick. And I, I just got to be honest about this. 10 minutes into the movie, I knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say that with X. There was a lot of mystery involved with X. I didn't know exactly where we were going, like what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. There was there was some really good intrigue and build up to the to the climax of obviously when people start getting murdered. That's no shock what happens in that movie. Um, with Pearl, ten minutes into the movie, I knew how it was going to play out. Every, I mean, I could have written a script based on the first ten minutes, and I would have been pretty close to what actually ended up happening. Um, and I don't have I I'm not one of those people that complains about predictability in movies. I'm not because I tend I like figuring things out and it doesn't ruin my appreciation of something. Like I'm currently watching House of the Dragon, which is a Game of Thrones prequel technically. Um I know the books, I know the story, I've read it. I know exactly what's going to happen unless they just decide to completely change the story uh in House of the Dragon. I know the the beginning, the middle and the end does not ruin my appreciation of the show. I still love watching it. So let me make that clear. I knew it was going to happen. But in this case, the getting there part was just painfully long. And and it's not like it's an incredibly long movie. It's It's just not a long movie. It just took, it just took so long to really get there. In my opinion. No, you know, I've said before, uh, and I, I think I said it, I said it on the X podcast that I'm not like the biggest Ty West fan. Um, a lot of people love House of the Devil. I don't. I don't. I don't for the same reason that you're describing right now. Is it's punishingly um, stale, and I know it's stale on purpose. Some people go, "Oh, you're crazy! What about that one scene?" And then that one scene. I go, "Yeah, that one scene and the one scene." But everything else to get to it is again. Ty West wants to do exactly like what those movies did. He doesn't want to divert from them at all. And so that's why I, I was never big on House of the Devil. I didn't enjoy it. it. It's hard to enjoy that movie, I think is the point. Um, 
of course we know where this movie's going because we saw X. We actually know where Pearl ends up. We meet her. We we met her in a movie ago and we saw what happens. What I was curious about is like, how did she get to become that person? And so that's what this movie provides. And it provides it over this kind of sweeping romantic little template of a farm girl who uh, who ain't quite right. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, it's it's weird to even say, should there even be a spoiler section in this particular uh, episode? Because if you listen, if you've seen X, the spoilers are out there. You know what Pearl becomes. You just don't know how she got there. That's really all this is. And how she gets there. I mean, it. this is the first time where I was in the movie theater and I actually timed it. And I was like, we're an hour in. And I thought we were 90 minutes in already. Yeah, I thought we were so far in and we were barely an hour into an hour and 45 minute movie. It's a long, it feels like a long movie because of his technique, his style of just like letting something draw itself out for a long time. Some people love that. And I bet critics will love this. I bet, I bet the write-ups on this movie will be, this is genius. This is, this is an incredible unflinching character study. You know, it's it in that respect. It is I like, what I think what Ty West set out to achieve, he did achieve. I just, I'm like you, I'm like, well, I know where it's going. And so how are you going to surprise me on the way? And I think a lot of those scenes didn't surprise or subvert me in any way, shape or form. Um, I think feel like the Pearl I met in X is this Pearl. Like they're, they're the same, they're the same person. And I, and I, I it didn't take me any leaps to see how she got from one thing to the other. That, is exactly my my issue right there like there was no and when i say mystery involved like again i it was very predictable i knew exactly and it's not when i say predictable it's not because i saw x and i know where the character ends up what i'm what i'm what i'm curious about what i'm intrigued by when you do a prequel and you're trying to basically tell me how this character became you're trying to you're trying to explain to me in a prequel how pearl became the murderous crazy you know feral almost woman we meet in x you know where she's just a murderess. like i don't know a better way to say it like she's not all there and she yeah. likes killing people um how did she become that person 10 minutes into the movie i already figured it out and and there's no mystery there there's no intrigue there there's no it's a character study and let me be clear when i say that mia goth is incredible Mm-hmm. I, oh, I have I, lots of good things to say about this I, movie I, before I, we get into spoilers. I, I, tons I of really, good I really like her and I love her performance. And, and this is one of those, this is this kind of, you mentioned Quentin Tarantino. It reminds me when Tarantino was working so often with Uma Thurman, he kind of, he always called mm-hmm. Uma Thurman his muse. Like he wrote for Uma Thurman. You can clearly tell that Ty West is writing for Mia Goth and she's great. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I adore her. Like she's quickly become one of my favorite horror actresses through two movies. Um, she's phenomenal. But the story itself didn't really tell me anything, as you said, anything I didn't already know. It didn't surprise me. It didn't, you know, when you when you think about like, you know, how like how is just say serial killer for lack of a better word, we're in a slasher, but for a serial killer, how does a serial killer? Now we understand that if you watch, you know, Mindhunter for like two episodes, you figure out that not you know all serial killers have like a motive. They're they're psychopathic. They're sociopathic. There's not necessarily a trigger, you know, now there aren't a lot, you know, you know, parent issues, abuse, things like that that happens. But sometimes it's just somebody's just not right. You know, they're not mm-hmm. right. And they become, yeah. you know, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. That's a real thing. We understand that if you study serial killers for two seconds, you'll figure that out. 
But when you're giving me a prequel about it, I need to have a reason to care. I need to have a reason mm-hmm. to be intrigued by the story. And for the largest part of this movie, I really didn't. I didn't find that with this. I wasn't as intrigued. I was I was kind of basically I spent an hour waiting to get to the part that I knew was coming. Waiting yeah, I, for for Pearl to become Pearl because I knew it was going to happen and and once I figured out the story, I was just like, okay, when are we getting there? Because I already knew where we were. It was it was so predictable. I knew exactly where we were going. We were on a road, and I it felt like I'd been there a hundred times before. And I think it's because there's two conflicting elements. And I, I will wait till spoilers because that's that's something that isn't revealed in any trailer. But I'm gonna make a little note here, and we'll and we'll kind of circle back to that because I think it's because two elements collided, and that sort of like. Negates them both, you know what I mean? It like cancels them both out, which is the problem. So we'll, we'll we will definitely get back to that. Um, I do want to talk about the things I loved about this movie. First of all, I don't know about you, but were you sitting there going, "How the how much did this movie cost?" Yeah. It looks great. It's a period piece that it takes place in in nineteen eighteen. Um, I, I gotta tip my hat to a twenty four for being a bold enough studio to go. Let's just start this pre. We're already there. Let's just start it. Like let, we'll find the money and we'll get it going. And this prequel, you know, uh, uh, X was set in the seventies, late seventies. Looks great. Had a very Texas Chainsaw vibe to it, uh, immaculately created. And then they go right into this prequel that is like, you know, super bright, tons of color, tons of uh, props. Like this, it's, you know, there's carriages, there's there's little, you know, there's there's buggies, uh, there's little small towns, there's a theater, there's all this stuff, there's costuming, props. And I was like, geez, they really like, like this movie or not, which by the way, we'll get, we'll get to how I feel about the movie. I don't, I don't, it's, I'm not like, I don't, I don't dislike this movie. I'm just being critical of it. Like, I really respect a studio who's going to stick their neck out there before anything happens, before they get any Q ratings back, before they get all their surveys back. They just go, fuck it. Let's put this together and we'll present it to people and they can just take it. I, I think that's kind of a lost art in the in the age of the Internet. Everybody's waiting for the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Everybody's waiting for the for what, what people are saying on Twitter. What's trending for a studio to just go, we're going to present to you some stuff. And and it's our it's our director's vision. I respect the fuck out of that, Damon. Oh yeah, absolutely, I hundred percent. Because this is again, it doesn't. It looks like it is an incredibly well made movie. It's an incredibly well shot movie. And the one thing I do want to compliment when you talk about Ty West's vision for what he wants in this movie, one thing I really do want to compliment him on is because as soon as the movie opened, I <laughs> I was in the theater by myself, but in my head I was going, "Am I watching The Wizard of Oz?" Like that's oh, what yeah. it felt like. Now. A big part of that is you're seeing this movie through the eyes of Pearl. Mm -hmm. She's this idyllic young woman living on a farm in the middle of nowhere who dreams of becoming a dancer, dreams of dancing on stage, dreams of becoming a star. Her husband's away at war, and she's just like, she's kind of, and and again, when I talk about the predictability, it's that, you know, again, it doesn't take a shocker to figure out, like, she wants to go elsewhere, and she's stuck in a rut, she's stuck in a small town. That's a you know, tale as old as time. Um, but the, the visuals of this movie are stunning and, and, and putting everything in her perspective where she has this kind of bright, cheery idea of what the world should be that, that, you know, she's destined for greatness, destined for stardom. 
you get that in the visuals of this movie because it is so bright. It's so colorful. It's so uh, vibrant. Uh, and, and, and you see the world through her eyes. And then later in the film, you see the switch when things aren't going her way, when things aren't turning out the way she wanted. And this is not a spoiler. This is, I mean, again, you can, <laughs> she doesn't end up in X without, you know, figuring out where <laughs> yeah. she goes. If you've um, seen X, you know where she's going. When things start going wrong for her, there is a bit of a, a bit of a change in the color palette. They lower the lights, things like that. So I appreciate it. There's a very, I know they talk about Mario Baba. There was a bit of an Italian feel to X. I would agree because Italian horror filmmakers, we've talked about on this show before. We haven't done a ton of them, but we've talked about you know, a huge part of that, especially with guys like Argento, our color palette. You know, you watch Suspiria, yeah. you see huge shifts in color palette, and that's how that's how you see the film change and the emotion and things like that are all based upon color in those films. It's not as strong, it's not overstated in Pearl or X, but they do it. Especially in Pearl, you do see it later in the movie, and I like that. Visually stunning performance piece and it's an individual character study on this character pearl and as i said um mia goth deserves all the praise in the world for her performance because it really it, it, it is a film written for her and she does all the heavy lifting in this film i mean she does you know she she puts the film on her shoulders and carries it through it she's incredible and the story while it is predictable wasn't necessarily bad it wasn't a bad story. They didn't they didn't mess with the character so much to where you watch X again and it somehow changes your opinion of the character. Where she starts and where she ends up makes sense in terms of where she's going in X. The problem I had is again is how we got there, the predictability of it because and and as I said earlier, I didn't really learn anything that I didn't I didn't figure out in the first 10 minutes. There was no yeah, subversion of expectations. There was no there was no evolution. No Here's my biggest issue. My biggest issue with this, this film, Patrick, there was no evolution, really, of the character. Who she was when we meet her is essentially who she is at the end of the film, and then we just meet her 60 years later, 50 years later again. Like, it's not... When you do a prequel, and it's not like... I understand, like, you, I know it's a bad comparison to, like, say, a superhero film, but, like... You know, a character is no, a, 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 a normal everyday kid, and then he gets struck by lightning. And he becomes the Flash. You know, he gets struck by chemicals and lightning. And he has to, and he has to adapt to this new superpower he's taken on. You know what I mean? The character, the evolution, the personality that that character changes. Um, I didn't really get that with Pearl. Who she was in the very first scene is who she is in the very last scene. Yes, There's really Damon. no evolution. Damon, when you said superhero, I wanted to go Joker, Joker, <laughs> like, like yeah. it, these are the same movies, by the way, Joker and and Pearl have a very similar trajectory. The difference between them is that Arthur Fleck, when you meet him, is one way and struggling and inciting incidents change him and and push him over the edge. You see that he's teetering and you're hoping that somehow he can be saved but then he's pushed over the edge. So the, the thing that's missing from this movie is the inciting incident that pushes him over the edge because all those inciting incidents happened off camera before we ever met her. Yeah. That's truth be told is that's, that's what happens is that most, she's already Pearl. She's already the Pearl that we're going to meet in X like a hundred percent. She's damaged in her opening thing. She, and they show it in the trailer. It's not even a spoiler. 
she is uh, killing animals. Like she's, she's already there. She's already that person. So you never see any of the things that put, I kept looking for the inciting incident. You don't need to have one. I'm not one of these sticklers on the rules, but typically inciting incidents kind of help you lock into the movie and then you get going there. There are certainly moments, but they're just glimpses of the person that she kind of already is. So that for, for an hour and 45 minutes to just be like the pearl I met in the beginning and the pearl I meet at the end is the same. They just sort of kept going. And I, and I, that's what this movie does. It sort of keeps going. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not, it's not bad. I don't want to make it sound like I hated this movie because I didn't. I liked the movie. I liked, I liked a lot about the movie in terms of performance, in terms of um, execution, the, the visuals, all great. It's again, ultimately comes down to the character itself in terms of like what we learned about Pearl. And again, you're talking about a prequel. We're, we're dealing with an already established character. You got to give me something to understand why I'm seeing this prequel story. Cause again, 10 minutes in, I knew where it was going. I knew the character and I, I predicted like, again, every, almost every story beat, I was like, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. And here's where we're going to end up. And when that's where, when we ended, when we got to the end of the movie, I would say if, if I had written down notes 10 minutes in and said, here's what's going to happen, I'd give them to you. You'd open that envelope and I would say nine out of 10 <laughs> of my predictions were right. You know what I mean? And the incredible it's incredible Damon Martin mind reader. Yeah, exactly. I'm Kreskin over here. It's not, <laughs> it's not that it's, it's not. And again, I don't, I don't criticize a film for being predictable because there's a lot of films I love that are predictable. I figured out a lot of films long before they, you know, try to unravel some mystery for me. But as you said, the character we meet at the beginning is the character we meet at the end. And that, that, as you said, we don't necessarily need an inciting incident. I understand that. That's not, that's not totally, you know, a, a necessary tool in a prequel or the evolution of a character. But I really, again, I didn't learn anything about her. I didn't already know. I, I, I knew this guy. I knew yeah. like all I'm saying, all I'm seeing in this film is a younger version of the character I met in X. There's, there's not like, how did she become Pearl? She's yeah. already Pearl. She's already She's... Pearl when you meet her. Um, should we get into spoilers? Because I yeah. think that, I think I think it's time, right? Yeah, let's get into spoilers. So for if you haven't seen Pearl, go check it out. It opens in theaters, uh, you know, a matter of days ago. Uh, go check it out. Um, if you've seen X, and again, my I, I I know I say this all the time. I want to say it again. Even if you even if you hear us say we do not like something, um, which we're not saying, we're not saying. Still go see it. I'm not saying oh, yeah. I, I actually there's a lot I enjoyed about this film. And if you liked X, I would still recommend you go to see it. My only suggestion is don't go in thinking you're getting another X because that's not this film. It's nothing like X. not a, not a bad thing. I'm just saying if you're going in, man, I loved X. I can't wait to see another one. That's not this. So I just want to warn people for my one critical, you know, uh, complaint, not complaint, just advice, my critical advice would mm-hmm. be don't go in thinking you're getting another X because you're not. That's that's what I'll say. Uh, yeah. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. It's nothing like X at all. So with that being said, we're getting into spoilers now. So again, be forewarned, we're now going to get into spoiler territory um, with the film. Let me, ju- let me just say right up top, Patrick, spoiler territory right now. The, 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 the damaged child due to a domineering mother was so pretty that was what i talked about predictable like it was yeah. just so like immediately i was like oh here we go this is mommy dearest this is you know this is carrie this is we've seen this story a thousand times and i'm not saying it's bad i love carrie i love that movie i i'm a big fan of carrie um 
Sissy Spacek touched my shoulder, and I've never watched that shoulder again. So yeah, yeah. exactly. So if you stand next to Patrick and he smells, that's why you never watch that shoulder. Sissy Spacek's hand on my shoulder is why I smell. Um, yeah, like the domineering. Again, I don't. As I said, with predictability, I'm not complaining about it necessarily, but we don't see any of it. Like we just meet her, and her mother is already a domineering mother, and Pearl's kind of a bit of a timid girl, but she's already disturbed. Two minutes into the movie, she kills a duck. With a pitchfork and feeds it to the alligator that we, you know, we obviously meet a future alligator, you know, 60 years later, but uh, we, we, she feeds a, a duck to the alligator. Like, you already know she's not there. Like, she, you already know she's disturbed, and it just escalates. That's all it does. It escalates. She goes from killing ducks to killing people. Like, that's literally the only thing we're seeing in this film, in my opinion. Well, while we're hot on the topic, right, about what's not working, or at least what didn't work for me in this movie, is that there are two, I said earlier, two conflicting elements to Pearl that cancel each other out. And that is Pearl is not well and she never was. And I think I and by the way, this is a compliment to Ty West, because I think he's really he's really like finding his footing as a director and he knows how to draw characters in a way that I don't think he's done quite before in his career. Um, we know right away, you can tell right away, Pearl was never right. Pearl ne- Pearl has always had something off about her. Like we were talking about in Mindhunter, sometimes a serial killer just isn't right. Like they just, like they just, there was nothing that broke them. They just weren't right from the jump. You can tell that about Pearl very quickly. And she has the domineering, cold mother. There are these two things that are colliding, but not. And he like this is and this is maybe the thing I do take umbrage with his choices is that they if 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 the domineering mother had turned her into Pearl, show me that instead of where we're at now, because that would be interesting. If the mother turned cold because she knew Pearl was wrong or, or you know, off, I should say, if if then then show me that. Instead, we're all caught up. Pearl's wrong. Pearl, Pearl's Pearl's got a screw loose. Mom is cold and domineering, and it's it's already all there. It's already we we've already put the negative and the positive together, and we're at a neutral. And so so there's no there's no tension between them. Like I'm not like worried for Pearl. I'm not worried for her mom because I'm like, well, Pearl's definitely gonna kill her mom at some point. That's gonna happen. Yeah, I can already see that coming. And and. They he makes attempts to make it seem like Pearl wants her family, but the truth be told is she just wants free of all this so she can just so she can act out all of all of her delusional fantasies. That's really all she wants. She's she's not part of this world. She's not connected to this world. So that her mom is cold and domineering doesn't even matter to her. She's just she's just it, it. She's just a feral wolf trying to get out of the cage. That's all it is. So those things don't matter. And they're the two strongest elements in the whole movie. Yeah. The only, the only really like insight, like really well done inciting incident happens late in the film when you see, because everything else, every other character that gets involved in Pearl's life predictably goes the way you would, whether it's her mother, her father, and then this guy she meets at the theater who kind of befriends her and flirts with her. And he's obviously trying to, you know, get with her. And then she gets with him and then she kind of turns on him. And again, very predictable, saw it coming a mile away. The only one that I did enjoy, but then they kind of, I won't say they ruined it, but they just dragged, they just, they took so long to get there and it dragged out so long 
was with her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law is this very yeah. sweet person who comes over and she's trying to like their her, her and her mother, meaning her her mother-in-law technically, are trying to like help them out because since her husband has gone off to war, her and her and her dad is it was stricken was uh, stricken with the Spanish flu, so he's like in a he's basically decapacitated in a wheelchair. You know, can't communicate. You know, he's basically being fed by spoon. Um, and so they're not doing well as a family. And so her mother-in-law and sister-in-law show up and they're like, you know, trying to provide, help him out a little bit, give him some food, whatever. And her mom very proudly doesn't want to accept that again. Very predictable. But the, the sister-in-law is a very sweet, nice woman who's nothing but sweet and kind and nice to Pearl. And she invites Pearl to go on this audition for a dance troupe that's going to be signed up at a church. And they're all, if they get picked, they're going to go across the state doing this dance competition thing. Um, we start seeing Pearl slip when she goes to the dance thing and she's like, it has to be me. And her sister-in-law's like, well, me or you? And she's like, no, it has to be me. Like, you kind of see it right there. But then yeah. finally when her, when her sister-in-law takes her home, and this is in the very last part of the movie, Pearl goes on this diatribe, this really long soliloquy where she basically says she's, she's complaining about her husband, Howard, who left her to go to war. And her sister-in-law says, well, say to me what you would say to Howard, get it all out you know, feel better about yourself by telling me what you would tell Howard. And Pearl goes on this. I mean, it's gotta be a four minute. I mean, it's longer. It, it might be longer. It's a long, long piece of dialogue. All right. Yeah. Long, long, long piece of dialogue. And the camera, the entire time is real tight and close on, on Mia West, Mia Goss face. It's so long. It gets uncomfortable in moments where I'm kind of like, okay, is this, and it just kept, it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not a director, but the best tension in the entire film, the one person who didn't seem to know something was off with Pearl at this point was her sister-in-law because she was so sweet and nice to her and they'd always been very sweet and nice to each other. All they had to do was one, cut down that dialogue because it was too long. It was just too long. It's like four or five minutes. It was just it, it, literally in the theater. I was sitting there going, when's it going to stop? Like it just kept yeah. going. And then they finally draw back and you see the sister-in-law. All they had to do was keep a, 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 a wider camera angle to let them see this change in the sister-in-law's face to where she realizes she's not just listening to her sister-in-law complain about her wayward husband. She's listening to a disturbed woman describe murdering people. We never see that reaction from the sister-in-law until the very end of the scene when she's like, okay, I'm going home. And you lose all the tension that's built up because you never see her reaction. Her reaction is the key. Her reaction is seeing this. And also, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a facial tick. It's a, just a facial change of like going from sympathetic eyes to oh shit eyes. You know what I mean? We never see that. And it takes away so much of the tension of what should have been the most tension filled scene in the entire film. I, I, the only, I would counter with this. I don't even necessarily need to see it's a fine suggestion, but I wouldn't necessarily need to see that. I would go with Ty West's choice, which is just stay on her. That's fine. But it is too long. And, and, and some people, you know, the, the, you know, I'm artsy fartsy, Damon, you already know that about me. (laughs) There gets, it gets to a point where you're, you actually get broken loose of the spell because for a while it'll go on for like two or three minutes and it's kind of disturbing and you're kind of in it. Once it goes past minute three, minute four, all of a sudden you're broken loose of the spell. 
And now you're just, you're, you're going, we're we still going now. You're not even like actually hearing the words that are coming out of her mouth. Cause they keep going. They keep rambling. I think that's why it lost tension for me personally. I think that that's, that's what like me trying to break down that, that choice as, as a director that they made. Um, I think, I think at some point the spell gets broken and now you're just sitting there waiting for her to finish what she's saying. Point two for that, that long diatribe is her basically explaining how she becomes Pearl in X. Like it basically, it, it basically covers 1919 all the way to 1979. She just, she just, she lays it all out there. And, and what is she doing? She's doing a massive exposition dump when what we could have had was a movie that showed all the pieces put into place. And you can argue that it does. I mean, we see the crocodile. Um, we see her watch a porno with the projectionist. But I feel like that was a big missed opportunity, actually, like the whole the whole sexual element of it, because it's a it's a huge element for Pearl's story in X. And it's barely it's like it's like a small scene here. So you can argue that, yes, they did lay out all the elements. But what what they do is go just in case you didn't get everything. Let me explain in this long, long, long monologue. Why I will be the Pearl I will be for the rest of my life. And I go, ah. I didn't I didn't need that. I could I'd ra- I'd rather have seen it. I'd rather have seen it evolve a little bit more in this story. That's what that's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying Ty West was wrong. I am saying that that's why I got bored because I think at some point the spell was broken for me. And it just it kind of bummed me out because I was like, well, I would have rather seen more of that on the screen than just had this one moment, this Oscar moment for Mia Goth, right? Cuz she again, she does a tremendous job in this movie. We're not we're not we're not even like down downgrading anybody for what's been executed in this film. It just that that scene was that, and Quentin Tarantino does it too. It's that uh, self indulgent director thing, where it's like I'm going to see how long I can do this and see how long you, the audience, can tolerate it. Because for me, it's fucking awesome. And you, if you don't get it, you suck. <laughs> and that's a it's a very directory like like big big ego director thing to do. Uh, and Quentin does it a lot, sometimes to great effect, sometimes not. And Ty West had his moment here. This is not uh, this is not the opening of Inglorious Bastards. That incredible sit down at the table, which is one of Quentin Tarantino's finest moments. Um, this is not that. This is Ty West doing a parody of that, or not 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 even necessarily a parody, but he's doing his his best to kind of emulate something like that. And to me, it did not work. It needed to be pulled back. Here's what I would say. You know, I again, everything I'm saying is being very critical. It makes it sound like I don't like the movie. I didn't I didn't dislike the movie. I was kind of, you know, just in the middle about it. I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I was just kind of like, okay, I saw it. I don't know that I'd ever rush out and see it again. I've seen it. And here's the thing. Here's 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 my biggest issue with Pearl because as we talked about, we never really see the we never see the evolution of the character in any form or fashion. She's disturbed at the beginning and she just escalates things. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing an escalation of her of her psychosis, I guess is the best way to say yeah. it. She goes from killing animals to killing people, as I said earlier. There could have been a scene in X, and X is extremely well executed, incredibly, incredibly well done movie. There's a moment where um uh Jenna Ortega's character ends up in the basement in X and we see like a dude tied up down there and you're like what mm-hmm. the all they had to I'm not, I'm not trying to rewrite I know we're going to talk about rewrite of living dead a little bit later we actually are going to do a rewrite of living dead segment but here but here's the problem 
let's say Jenna Ortega's in that basement. She turns around and you find like these skeletons of people. Like she sees all these dead bodies down there, and you're like, "What?" No, like I'm in like a, a you know horror cave. They could have done a flashback at that moment and shown Pearl killing her parents, killing the guy she had slept with, and killing her sister-in-law in like a a, a ten-minute snippet of just seeing her like you know you like the little quick like flashback kind of thing. They could have shoved that in X and then gone back to the current day where Jen Ortega is seeing all these bodies. You would have had the same impact, in my opinion, is what we learned in Pearl. They could have done that same thing, just showing her snapping and killing her mother, snapping and killing her father, snapping and killing this dude, snapping and killing her sister-in-law, and had a little bit of that and, and had like the... You could have that monologue over top of that in a 10-minute scene, and then you flash back forward to Jen Ortega finding all the bodies all these years later. And that would have had the same impact as what Pearl does. Because again, there's nothing I learned about Pearl in this movie that I didn't already know. Yeah, well, what is that? Right, We, we just talked about Barbarian the week prior. Um, and my big issue was uh, I it didn't subvert any of my expectations. I know it did for you. For me, it didn't. I did see everything coming. Not only do I see everything coming in Pearl, I already knew it. It was already written in X. It was already there. And they do a good job in X of explaining who Pearl is and why she is. So if I already knew that, like, don't just like re-show it to me slower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not going to like, it's not going to go. I'm not going to go like, wow, this is so good because it's so slow. I feel like there's a lot of people <laughs> that go to movies and they will just praise it because it's really slow because they go, well, if I say I like that, it's really slow. It makes me cool. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't make you cool. I like slow burns. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. In my opinion, the slow burn here didn't. And we in our rewrite of the living dead, I'll have my opinion on what I would have uh, chopped up and, and made move a little faster. So it's harder to do categories for this episode because it's, again, it's a character study. It's one character for the entire film. It's hard to say best performance, favorite character, because it's all one. It's all Mia Goth. It's all Pearl. Um, So, yeah, you know, to to be fair in the categories, we already kind of mentioned, but let's talk about Mia Goth because Mm. her performance is incredible. And and I would say – rightly so she should she should get some sort of i mean she will get award nominations in the horror community without a doubt oh yeah when it comes she up should to, win fangoria yeah when the fangoria awards come up she'll probably be a shoe in to win um it makes me a little bit bummed out but i get bummed out all the time when we talk about awards because i fucking hate the oscars um that um <laughs> that, you know we'll never see someone like mia goth get nominated you know just like we never saw spider-man no way home or other films that would never get nominated for oscars <laughs> Um, we'll never see her get award. We'll never see her get nominated for a bigger award because it's a horror film and it's not like a prestige horror film like silence and lambs, but she's great. She's incredible. And this, this film, this, these three films ultimately with Maxine, uh, I don't know what that film's going to ultimately be about or or how it's going to unravel or what it's going to be like. Um, but just based on these two films and assuming the third is coming, she's going to get a lot of jobs. She's going to get a lot of job offers saying we want to work with oh, you yeah. because she's incredible. Oh, she's incredible. I mean, that's the thing is like why this movie, I think ultimately I enjoy it, even though I've, I've uh, we basically just spent the, this episode talking about its faults is because Mia Goth is so good. She really is like, she's just found her footing and, and nails this thing. Like, I was just like, she's from England, I believe, right? 
Oh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, she's from England, and she's got this whole Southern Belle thing. And, I mean, wow. Like, she she just dives into this role. It all makes total sense. I was very riveted. I, I, I was glued to her performance. I really was. I mean, and, and, and it's not it's not an easy thing to do because, basically, they just prop up a whole movie around you. And they they sprung it on her in the middle of another production. They were just like, hey, like, we think this is we're going to do it. Like, let's do it. Do you want to do it? And she delivers. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing for a young actress to just say, yeah, fuck it. Like, like, let's go all in on me as a character and just put the spotlight on me and deliver. There's so many great moments that I can think of in this movie. Um, her arguing with her mom on that with that one table scene. There's one too many. Um, the dance recital, great moment, um, and that and that kind of her final crescendo uh, uh, near the end of the movie. Like she creates these moments, and that's what you need in movies. Is is uh, I can point back to something and go, remember that part? And everybody goes, oh yeah, it was so good. That Mia Mia Goth delivers that at, at least at three key moments in this in this film. Yeah, she really does kill it, and um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a piece built around her, and and again, she kind of became Ty West's muse in this film, but she's so good at doing it, and and that that to me was kind of the saving grace of this film because while I did have a lot of issues with the story, I had a lot of issues with the character progression, all those kind of things, and the length. Let's be honest, it was a little bit long. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fascinated watching Mia Goth. That was the best part of the movie by yeah. far, and she is she's all over the map emotionally and doing it really, really well. Like she plays demure very well. She plays innocent very well. She plays, she goes into that psychopathic mode in a very like from timidity to like pure psychopath in an instant. And it's, 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 it's it's, that part is terrifying. Like that is really terrifying. Just see her just go from one to the other. And, and, and it's, it's like seeing that, that, you know, when you, when you go from, um, caring to fear for a person, you know, and you see that a couple times in this film where people like realize that something's not right with Pearl and she does that transition really, really well. Um, so I will say that, but again, her performance spot on the the material she's working with could have, could have, could have used a couple more rewrites in my opinion. (laughs) Well, you know, listen, they they did they did rush this to production and maybe it did need a couple more rewrites. Um, I, I, and, I'll, and I'll give an honor, honorable mention to uh, I think it's Tandy Wright who plays uh, her mother. OK, Ruth. yeah. Uh, hell, hell of a job to like, you know, as as the as the cold, heartless German mother, you know what I mean? Like never really broke until that one moment where she does break. Uh, I thought she did a great job as well. And so did Miss, the Misty, who's her sister-in-law, uh, Emma Jenkins Perrow they did great jobs everybody actually did a good job in this movie um so yeah yeah you know this there's not really like a big best performance category this this time out because it's really all about mia goth and hey she did it yeah let's talk about the axe death scene um which is at the end of the movie when she chases down her sister-in-law mitzi uh and she chases her down with the axe and literally kills her and chops her into pieces which is again the tension of that scene, if you just cut it down a little bit, and again, maybe in my opinion, you know, show a little bit more of, of Mitzi in that moment where she kind of sees the switch in Pearl, where she goes from sweet kind of emotional sister-in-law to pure sociopath or psychopath, depending on what you want, what your psychological definition is here. Um, but then after that, going into the act scene, it is, it is terrifying and it is so well executed. 
Yeah, so uh, normally we do like a best kill or best gore. And I was like, are we really going to try to pretend it's anything other than this scene? You know, there's uh, there's other kills in the movie. They're they're not that intense. Um, They're certainly like not on the level of the kills that you see in X. But that axe scene, I was like, wow, this is good. This is really, really good. You know, where they they just went over this very long monologue that uh, that Pearl has. And her sister-in-law is like, I've got to excuse myself. <laughs> I've got to go. She, yeah, well, I have to go. It's been nice. And she's like, you know, creeping her way out of the house. And she gets out out into the into the front yard. And uh, and Pearl walks out in that great red dress, you know, that bright red dress from the dance recital. And uh, and she she calmly steps down and she picks up an axe. And this is all done in a big wide. So the camera's like far away. The camera's like already 20 feet back from both of them. And she picks up that axe and you're like, ah, shit. <sighs> and, uh, and she, and, and, you know, Misty starts, starts running cause she knows what's coming. And that axe goes into her back and she hits her a couple times. And finally she falls to the ground and she turns around begging for her life. And, uh, Pearl's not gonna, Pearl's not gonna spare anybody. She doesn't play that game. And then it goes into like real, the real descent of madness. You get this like split double screen showing, uh, Pearl, you know, chopping her up chopping misty up how about that beheading scene yeah how great was that the axe comes down on misty's neck and the head kind of goes flopping and the blood goes squirting i was like damn that's a fucking really well done scene what i really liked about that scene as you mentioned the split screen you get a close-up and then you get a bit mm-hmm. of a more of a distance shot so you see the head literally come off at the neck and then you also see a distant shot of the head kind of rolling off when she decapitates her yeah um it's no. a really cool way of shooting and a really really cool way of watching it Ty West can really hang his hat on that scene. That is a very, very good scene. This, this, that's the thing is that when this, when this um, movie needs to deliver, it needs to, it, uh, it does. And that's a, that's very much a moment where I was like, shit, I can't deny that's fucking awesome. Yeah. That was by far the best scene. And it was also the moment when I said, man, I wish the entire film had been more like this, like more of, more if you're gonna give me brutality give me brutality if you're not gonna tell me where like how pearl got here because you don't tell me how pearl got here she's just always been this way and she's just escalated um give me more of this you know give me more Mm -hmm. of these kind of scenes because that was better because the the, like i said the tension with her and her mom you kind of paid off but it didn't really and you never really saw why you never really saw like the evolution of like the the change in her mother like she was already this domineering kind of cold woman when we meet her Pearl was already disturbed. And, and again, I'm not trying to rehash all that, but when we get to this scene, it gets me excited. It's a great scene. The tension great is great. But the watching watching Mitzi run away and say, no, 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 and just seeing Pearl just calmly grab the axe and just like do 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 walk up and just <laughs> literally just just axe her sister-in-law to death is pretty crazy. And it's a really, really well done scene. And and unlike the monologue, which gets drawn out exceedingly long. This this is like the perfect because it's uncomfortably long seeing her literally chop her sister-in-law into pieces. But that's where the psychosis, that's where the the break in, you know, break in her psyche really shows through because she's she is conscious enough to kill her sister-in-law, but also knows she's got to dispose of the body. So she's mm-hmm. chopping her up into pieces and stuff. So it's not like she's just blindly killing for the sake of killing. She's killing and knowing she's got to cover it up. And so it's just a really well-orchestrated moment. And, and again, the best moment by far in the film. Oh, yeah. What a moment, man. I, I Really, hats off to Ty West for that. That's a great one. 
So let's talk about rewrite of the living dead. And, and, you know, we do these segments from time to time and we try not to rewrite the entire movie because that's just not fair. And I wouldn't rewrite the entire movie. I, I got, like I said, I got one suggestion of something I would change. And it's not, and as I said, my one little piece of criticism about that monologue at the end is it just the close up on Mia Goth was fine, but I think I could have used a little bit more of the sister in law just to see her realize that her sister in law's a wackadoo. Uh, it would have been nice to see that little like change on her face of like going from like, oh, I'm caring, I'm sweet, I'm sympathetic to what the fuck is wrong with this girl? That would have been nice, but that's a minor thing. Again, and you said you didn't really, you didn't really mind that. The, the length and like the, the time it took to get there was a the problem either way. So let's talk about rewrite of living death. Something we would change that could help or alter or hopefully improve what we find flaws in this movie. So Patrick, what's your suggestion for rewrite of the living dead? So I think what I would do, and it's really, it's really simple because the, the uh, we talked a little bit earlier about mom and Pearl having this back and forth. It happens multiple times throughout the first two acts of the movie it's act it actually they have kind of i would say the same conversation a few different times and you kind of get it you can get it in basically one scene it would be enough and then an exclamation point in another so i would shave a lot of that back and i would move the dance recital which is a great sort of engine to get things going but it, it the dance recital thing basically happens at the end of the movie I would move the dance recital up to the end of the first act and the start of the second. So that like the second act is her really worried about this dance recital and then get into that and then get into kind of Pearl's murderous ways. You know, I, I, this movie could have been compressed in a lot of different ways. The, her, we didn't even really talk about her relationship with the projectionist. You know, he was like her, her window to the outside world. They did a lot of that. She goes back to him twice. Again, it was one of those things where it's like, I think this could have been done in one scene more than two. Um, you know, hey, Ty West is a successful director. He feel free to tell me to fuck off, Ty. It's all good. I just think that like we went to the well a couple of times with different characters, and we could have shortened that. Got to the dance recital stuff, which was great. I think leading up to and inside the dance recital and all the aftermath of it to me was this really great just sort of. Uh, uh, catalyst for for where the movie was headed. Um, if if you're not going to go and rewrite every single thing that we were talking about and change and change the structure of the movie, I would have done something similar to that. Yeah. So my um, and and I I, I agree. I think that would have made it stronger. My biggest my biggest rewrite would be fixing what we didn't get in the character, which is give me something to understand why she is the way she is. If she's just disturbed. And that's just what we're going with, which again is fine. There's, there's, this, we, I need, still need to see the evolution because it felt like what Ty West was going for is that she grew up under this domineering mother, you know, unsatisfied life on this farm. She didn't want to be there. And again, it just escalated from killing animals to killing people. I've said that like 10 times, but that, like, we never really see an evolution of the character. My change would be if you're so in, intent on telling us that there's a relationship between the mother and daughter is so fractured, and that's a big part of why Pearl becomes Pearl, escalate that, intensify that. 
I'm not saying we need to feel sympathetic for Pearl. Like, you have to have a full-on Mommy Dearest moment where she's beating her with wire hangers or anything. Right. But, like, make it to the point where it's more severe to you, where you understand the emotional abuse she's going through or the emotional manipulation that she's going through with her mother. Or, again, give us something to know why she's escalating. And, again, I know, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the Michael Myers thing. You go to Rob Zombie's Halloween. You know, there's no reason why... Michael Myers starts killing animals and then starts killing people. It's a, you know, we just see him that way, but we also know the upbringing, the house he lives in things we see around him. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people that didn't like that movie, didn't like that. We learned that kind of stuff about him. They grew up in an abusive household and those kind of things, but we still learn that. So you start to understand a little bit more of the psychosis that goes into making Michael Myers. We see a domineering, you know, cold mother. Absolutely. We see a girl dreaming of getting out of here, dreaming of, of getting out. So one of the big insight, you mentioned a lot of the inciting incidents happen off screen. Her husband left for war. Yeah. Howard, who we meet in, in X, has gone off to war and left her there with her parents. Now, are we made to believe that Pearl is like 17 and married? And so she's still living under the thumb of her mother. Like that's another kind of confusing part. Like she, she can't Nothing leave crazy about that for that era, but she can't like, she can't leave the house. She can't go anywhere. And it's but and also, she's like, I think it's a, a thing where everybody knows Pearl's touched. Everybody yeah. knows it. Her mom knew it. And I think even Howard knew it. Like, but like even, in think, the, but, but yeah. then, but then put it out there that way. It was not, it was not in my opinion, very well, orchestrated in the way that that happens. So again, if you want to focus on the damaged relationship with the mother and daughter, which is, it seemed like where he wanted to go. That seemed to be, because when the mother, when the mother finally slaps Pearl in the movie and then she slaps her back and they get into a fight, her mother gets caught on fire and she chucks her down the basement. Great, that, great moment. <laughs> that's where we're all leading to. So lean into that is all I'm saying. Like lean into that relationship because they try so many times, but then you get this like offshoot with the projectionist thing, which takes forever you know what I mean? It takes forever. And then mm-hmm. you have that weird scene in the forefield where in the field where she has sex with a with a scarecrow, which is really bizarre. And that's the most A twenty four moment of this entire movie. When she starts making out with a scarecrow and riding it in the middle of the cornfield. I was like, I literally about stopped and texted you and said, This is an A twenty four movie, Patrick. What did you send me to? Um Damon. But <laughs> But yeah, that's my one rewrite. Lean into that. If you're going to tell me that it's this fractured, damaged relationship between the mother and again, Pearl can already be damaged. That's fine. If the escalation is the 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 domineering mother and you're going to and you're going to make that the central focus and it is for a part a big part of the movie, but they never they never seem to cross that line. They never seem to take it as far as what you think it'll go, at least for me. I thought it was going to go much further. You know what I mean? I thought it was going to yeah. be a really like there's a moment where it's a really creepy moment where Pearl is giving her father a bath and she ends up getting into the bath herself. And she's sitting there like laying in the bathtub naked with her dad, who's like, you know in a wheelchair, can't move, can't do anything, you know, completely incapacitated. And she's like telling him how she's going to become a star. She's going to do all these great things. And her mother comes in and she's just like, I didn't want to waste the hot water, mama. And she says, get ready for bed. That moment right there could have been a perfect, like, you know, you know, her mother yelling at her, screaming at her. What are you doing? You know, yeah. clean yourself. You filthy, whatever, you know, whatever the escalation, you see that the relate yeah. it never gets there in my opinion. So I think escalating and really showing us that damaged relationship with her mother on a higher scale would have at least given me a reason to know why Pearl 
is, you know, she's so desperate to get away from this and she's got this domineering mother who just won't let her go. Yeah. But she never, I mean, she's never really that. I'm not saying like her mother's absolved from all, you know, from all responsibility in this film, but like she never feels fully like ingratiated in that way. She never feels fully like, you know, she's domineering, but it never gets to the point where I'm like, wow, this really went overboard. Like she beat her daughter or she locked the door. Or she put bars on her windows or anything that you see that could have shown that damaged fractured relationship intensify. It yeah. doesn't really intensify until she basically pushes her mother into a fire and she catches fire. And even that's an accident. She doesn't necessarily mean to catch her on fire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and during that whole argument, her mom already has implied she's seen all the things she's done. Um, later on, Pearl implies that she's killed people before. So you're like, again, all the things that I could have seen here that were clearly happened off screen. Sometimes that works. In my opinion, it didn't work this time. This is a weird movie where it's like this movie either needed to be 15 minutes shorter or an hour longer. <laughs> Like yeah, it's like, it's real it's really strange to say that, but it's like no, it, maybe it needed to be an hour longer, and then all those elements could be explored in deeper ways. Um, I think he threw he threw quite one maybe one or two too many elements into this movie because you're right with the whole like scarecrow riding thing. Like she also has a sexual depravity to her, but it's never explored enough to make anything matter. Especially um, especially considering the one moment of sexuality displayed in this film beyond the scarecrow thing is with the projectionist which you mentioned she goes back there a couple of times and like one time would have been enough like have her go in that moment and like you know express her sexual frustration and let loose on that moment and then if she kills him great but it takes so long to get there and then the exposition of her explaining i want to be free i want to be a star she basically says the same thing to her father in the bathtub that she says to the projectionist 20 minutes later and you just have to go through that same thing again like she just keeps yeah. saying i want to be a star i want to break free of this farm i want to do great things i want to i need to be discovered whatever she says that to like 19 times in the film and it's just <laughs> yeah, like at what point like at what point do we move on she says it to her sister-in-law she says it to her her projectionist boyfriend guy she says it to her father she kind of says it to her mother at some point, we don't need to know it anymore. Like We know, we understand you want to get away from this. So show us how you escalate to that point to where you want to get away. It just, it takes so long to get there. The projectionist thing in particular, that was supposed to be her moment of like sexual gratification, right? She kisses him once and says, I'm a married woman. You know, she, whatever. That could have been one scene. The flirtation and then the when she goes back to him. That's it. We don't need it anymore, in my opinion. It just keeps getting drawn out. Yeah, it does. It, it's drawn out, and and there's a lot of repetitive scenes. There yeah. really is. So, uh, all right. With Pearl, the ultimate question is always, Patrick, is it scary? Now, you and I praised X, and I'm going to continue to praise X. And I have a hard time believing when the great. years have a hard time believing when the year is over. It's not going to be on some kind of top five, top ten list for me. It was a great film, and I will say when this film was over, it made me want to rewatch X because I was kind of like, again, I wasn't disappointed, but I was kind of like, man, I just I want to see X now. Like that was a better yeah. that was a better film in my opinion. So Pearl, is it scary? If if X was a uh, was a dirty black muscle car. Pearl is like a, it's an old Bentley. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it just, it strolls along and it's very, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's lumberous and big. And um, I, there's not a lot of dread in this movie. I think, I think that's the weird thing. Like it's kind of psycho. 
it certainly has its it, it certainly has those moments um there's i i can't i can't think of a jump scare there was um, one the only one that got me the entire time is when she's in the cornfield looking oh, the she, crow where the crow jumps out that kind of yeah. got me I was like, oh geez that kind of jolted yeah. me but that's, that's it right. like that's literally the only one yeah it's weird like this movie has tension but it's not i don't know how to make this make sense it's not dreadful tension at all it's just the language of this film is to have everything draw out and what happens when you keep repeating that it loses its effect yeah and so ultimately i don't think pearl is scary some people are going to find the end sequence highly disturbing really probably from when her mom is set on fire from that point on i think some people will be like kind of shaken to their core because it's intense imagery it really is you know i try try to remember that i'm very desensitized to a lot of this stuff so yeah i would say this is not a scary movie but it definitely has some the, the the that back third of the movie incredibly intense yeah, I I don't think it's scary because sadly every relationship that Pearl has endures the same evolution. You know, she's sweet, she's kind, she's nice, and then she's all of a sudden kind of disturbing. Every relationship she has in this film is the same. With her father, with her mother, with the projectionist, with her sister-in-law, they all they're all exactly the same. She goes from being the sweet, kind, I want to escape the farm, you know, sweet farm girl to utterly disturbing and scary woman there's no like every relationship's the same right like there's no yeah. other relationship in this film and that knocks down the tension because you see yeah. it coming as i said the predictability you see it coming as soon as they introduced her mother i was like well domineering mother that's going to be a big aspect and that's exactly what happened she meets the projectionist she's going to have an affair with him and she's going to regret it or she's going to you know do what she doesn't you know she's going to want to take it out on him in a very mm-hmm. like masochistic kind of way exactly what happened her sister-in-law gets a little bit too close when she doesn't get the role she wants in the in the in the dance recital thing her sister-in-law tries to show her sympathy escalates and she kills her it's all predictable and so that's why i say like there's no tension and that's why it's not scary there are some yeah. disturbing moments actually the one i had like the when she kills the duck i was like no don't kill the duck the poor duck. i know yeah uh <laughs> Why you, you gotta know, kill the duck? And like, there's a moment where she almost like it looks like she's gonna t- tip her father into the pond for the alligator, which that was like a decent moment of tension. But again, even that was predictable. I was like, she's not gonna kill him yet. Like, we're not gonna right. see that happen right now. That was like you know 20 minutes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then like I said, the whole projectionist thing again. I just saw it coming. So no, it's not really scary. Now we've done. I've heaped a lot of criticism on this film, and people listen and say, "Man, you really didn't like this." I didn't hate it. I just. It was just one of those films when it was done. I was like, okay, that was a film. Like I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was just like, I, I don't know that I needed that. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like I don't know that I, I, I needed. Uh, the only thing I needed from this film was Mia Goss. She was incredible and give me that all day. But what I took away from this film didn't enhance X in any way. Didn't change how I feel about X. It was just, it's there and. I don't, I don't know that I'll ever rewatch it. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. and, and, and I think that's the kind of the point. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's good. It's just there. I know that sounds very vanilla of an answer, but like, that's, <laughs> that's what it exactly was for me. right though. No, that's exactly right. It's just there. It's not like, it's not essential. Like if, if you're like, I think you and I both are completists where it's like, Oh, if there's a trilogy, then I need to see everything. I don't go, Hey everybody, you have to see Pearl to have X like to make x complete you don't 
Like you just don't like I, I it's just an extension of a of an aspect of X. And so, but, you know, yeah, ultimately, like, yeah, it, it, it kind of like, is just there. Like, I know that, like, I know this is a, a different example because um, they did them in sequential order. And like this one was X and then they did the prequel. But like, I adore, it's been well documented on this show. I adore The Devil's Rejects. That's quite mm-hmm. possibly my favorite horror film of all time. You don't get to the Devil's Rejects and the relationships and the and the way the Devil's Rejects pays off without House of a Thousand Corpses. Now I have a lot more problems with House of a Thousand Corpses than I do with Devil's Rejects, but the characters and and obviously the revenge element of Devil's Rejects, you don't get there without House of a Thousand Corpses. That film builds you into where you get to Devil's Rejects and it pays off. Now, I've seen Devil's Rejects probably ten times more than I've ever seen House of a Thousand Corpses. But you you need you still need House of a Thousand Corpses to at least understand where you're going in Devil's. It's a it's a necessary. I, I disagree. I, I I think you're wrong. I think you're absolutely wrong. You, you <laughs> I guarantee I'm right. You don't you don't get to you don't get to Captain Spaulding. You don't get to Otis. You don't get to Baby, and you definitely don't get to the revenge element with the brother if you don't have at least some of that in House of a Thousand Corpses. There's a lot I have a problem with. House of a Thousand Corpses is nowhere near as strong as a film. But you see the evolution of the character and you see the progression of why we're going where we're going based on the first film going in the second film. That's not here with Pearl. I don't I there's nothing I learned in Pearl that I didn't already figure out in X. And there's nothing that I didn't already know about Pearl going into it that I came away with like, oh, wow, I really saw the evolution of that character. Now I know why she is the way she is in Pearl or in X. She's the same character. She's just 60 years older. I would I would liken it to if if. If um, X was Devil's Rejects, um, Pearl's House of a Thousand Corpses would just be Baby at 14 years old doing all the things Baby already does. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's not like, oh, how did Baby become Baby? Like, it has not, it would, it would, it's, it's not that, that's, it's not that kind of prequel. Yeah. It's just, here's Baby younger doing what baby already does. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. So it's like, oh, okay, so it's just more of the movie, I guess. And again, like, I, again, it's not that I dislike it. As I said, I don't hate it. Really well made. It's, it's a just, really well it's, made movie. <laughs> that's that's the weirdest probably weirdest uh re- review anyone will ever hear me say for a film. It's there. Like it's there. It exists. <laughs> there. I don't hate it. It's I don't there. love it. It's just there. Like, you know, I saw it probably will never see it again i don't regret going to see it i don't regret it like i don't walk away and say man give me my money back but i'm not like oh man let me go see it again or oh man it really added to my enjoyment acts it just again it's there. that's the weird it's there <laughs> some and i know some people are going to absolutely pour all the praise i actually do want to go around and start reading people's reviews of pearl i, I know it's coming i mean we're, we're we're doing this on a friday uh, morning by, by Sunday, everyone's going to have something to say about Pearl. I can't wait to see what it is. Uh, and if you have things to say about Pearl, let us know. Right, yeah, Damon? Absolutely. Send us a message. Follow us on all of our social media accounts. We have an Instagram now. We have a Twitter and a Facebook. Uh, Rewind of Living Dead or Rewind of Dead on Twitter. Uh, and you can also follow us there. Send us messages on there. If you got comments, questions, movies you'd like us to review, hit us up there anytime. Uh, we're all over the place. Uh, and we're going to have a TikTok going soon. That hasn't started yet, but it will be coming soon. But we do have a Facebook, an Instagram, and a Twitter now. Uh, and you can also send us emails if you have questions, comments, uh, movies you'd like us to review. You can hit us up at rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rot, livingdead at gmail.com. And you can also follow us and send us messages on our personal Twitter accounts. I am at Damon Martin, and you are? 
at Director Patrick. And I want to say a big thank you as always for everyone that tunes into the show each week. We obviously appreciate it. We also, of course, want to say a big appreciation to Andrew Scott Bell for our new intro and outro music. Yeah. We appreciate that. And we'll see you next week for another edition of Rewind of the Living Dead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Peace, y'all. <laughs>